NBA Straya. How are you going? How are you going? You're right. I hope so. It is NBA Australia. It's Tuesday. What is it like? I don't know. December five. Oh, geez, bro. It's only twenty days until Christmas. <laughs> Few things going on between then and now, though, isn't there? Jeez, Christmas parties, birthdays, stuff you've got to do, and then it's Christmas. Yeesh. Anyway, I'm your apparently whinging host, James Clements. I'm the editor of a good website. It's called CodeBet. You can find that at codebet.com.au. You can also see my ugly mug on Fox Sports Lab NBA, CodeBet Daily, Fox Sports Lab NFL. Uh, I might pop up on the uh, Cricket Today podcast every so often as well. Who knows? I'm here in Larry Armour Studios, hanging out, giving you the lowdown on all things NBA a little bit of Australia. That's all we do here. Uh, we're going to talk in-season tournament quarterfinal knockout games today. They were sick. Uh, a couple of other little bits of news. We've got the players of the week and month and rookies and coaches and trophies to talk about. We'll wrap up those two big games and set you up for tomorrow's games. That's right. The way we'll do it, with the game wraps. And that's not a knife. Old mate, no mate. Spot of the night. Better than Lonzo Ball. Got, yeah, now's the unpopular opinion of the day. Now back take house. We were serving up a flame grill take. Uh, there is an Andrew Gaze Grey Mumber Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence. And uh, that'll be about it. We'll preview those two games uh, and get out of your hair. Quick one today because, I don't know, it's already late. <laughs> it's, like, it's awesome to have only two games, but at the same time, it's like, all right, it's now, like, almost five, so sucked in. You're like, all right, I'll pay that. Let's get into it. Episode 998 of NBA Australia. Jeez. Thousand is coming up. On Thursday, special guest. It's going to be awesome. All right, let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Ah, you better you better watch out for the Barkley curse if you're the Celtics. I guarantee that the Celtics are going to win the uh, NBA Cup. Uh, they have now been knocked out. <laughs> Classic Chuck. Uh, let's start today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Show with the daily. It's more like the daily whinge around of lately, hasn't it? Jim, what ailment are you afflicted by at the moment? I'm actually all right today. The foot's still very sore. So uh, anti-inflammatories have done their job. I've got like a bone spur on my heel, and it's just like that's still a pain in the ass. The broken fingers are all right. The cocoa is uh, all Dunskis. Unfortunately, my mother and father-in-law have now got the cocoa. So that's shit. Hopefully they'll be all right. Um, but otherwise, yeah, just sort of still limping around a bit. Still haven't gone into the office for a couple of weeks because uh, I can't really do much. Like I've dropped the kids off at like daycare and shit. And that's about it. I walked to like the cafe, which is a block away. And that sucked. I'm like, I'm not going to do that again. And so today I've literally just sat here watching the NFL and the NBA. So good gear, not bad. Done some riding, done some other gear, all the fun stuff. So speaking of which, though, I mentioned at the top Cricket Today podcast. We're launching that this week as well. If you're in your cricket for your entire Aussie summer, we're going to do that daily. Watch out. Hey, Jimmy, are you going to be on that? Nah. That's for the stats guy. You've heard him pop up here and there on the old NBA Australia. 
Uh, a couple of our other younger dudes covering all the BBL, all the test gear. So if you're into cricket, uh, I'll yell out when that's all up, but keep your eyes out. Uh, check it a follow across all the socials, would you? Go on. Do it now. Do it. Do it now. Uh, right. The Daily Whip around. How good's the in-season tournament? I don't know if the NBA has ever done anything that has been so righteously across the board beloved so quickly. And this is what made me so angry about, like, the weird reaction of the story. Oh, I don't even care about it. Oh, look at these silly courts. It's been fucking unreal. Like, I think I was sold literally as soon as they're, like, on Tuesdays and fucking Fridays, they're going to be just in-season tournament games. And as soon as they did that, I'm like, that's good. Standalones. Let's fucking do it. And since then, it's only gone from strength to strength. So, uh, radical day today. Loved every second of it. Uh, right, other news, though. Kelly Oubre. He's like, ah, oh, I'm back practicing, bro. And it was weird because he was asked about it all. And he's like, yeah. You know what I didn't like? I didn't like being asked about it. <laughs> it's like the Truman Show, man. It's like the Truman Show. It's like, no, it's not, you numb nuts, Kelly Oubre. Like, tell me you didn't understand what the Truman Show was without telling me you don't know what the fucking Truman Show was. He's like, yeah, it's like the Truman Show, you know. It's like everyone asking me about it. It's like, no, no, no. If it was the Truman Show, we'd actually fucking know what happened, idiot. You being obtuse and not knowing the fuck has actually happened and being really weird about it makes us go, uh... So what actually happened? He's like, oh, I got hit by a car. It's like, ooh, is there any proof? He's like, my sore fucking ribs, man. It's like, all right. Very weird. He's just a weird dude, Kelly Oubre. And the way that he sort of responded to it was really strange. <laughs> so I don't know. It was very bizarre. Anyway, um, there was a big piece about that today as well. And so he's sort of like, yeah, look, uh, Basically talking about how rehab was slow and steady, but he reckons he's back to play and he's all okay. Um, yeah. But he just sort of took umbrage. <laughs> like a lot of umbrage at the way people sort of asked him about stuff, right? This was a very was and is a very traumatic situation for me and my family. I just wish that my life wasn't the Truman Show where everybody can kind of watch it and have their own opinion about my life. That's not how it works. We don't know what happened, you weirdo. This is very hard for us to have to deal with and for me to miss being on the court, which keeps me sane. A lot of people are very inconsiderate and insensitive to try and worry about our video cameras and stuff about something that happened with my life. And it's very detrimental to me and missing time at my job. We're still getting paid. Uh, so, yeah, it's just really blessed that I wasn't. it wasn't worse than it is and able to come back to work and smile and walk and talk and breathe. Yeah, look. That's what I have to say about the conspiracy theorists, and I love them too. Like, I sit there in my downtime and look at them. Not with my life, though. He just doesn't make any sense. Mad dog. Whatever. All right, other gear. What else happened today? The Extreme Zinger Meal. The Extreme Zinger Meal. Uh, he might be back this week, according to, I think that one was Woj. Uh, missed today's game against the Pacers, and it's one of those things where you go, geez, I reckon the Zinger would have been pretty handy in that game. Uh, but he should be back later this week in their makeup games, apparently. So that'll be good. Uh, what else? There was like a little bit of news about the Giddy situation. Gloria Allred is going to represent the girl and her family in this. If there's anything that pops off, seems kind of weird, considering there's like literally just an NBA investigation 
But I guess it's probably not a bad idea just to get counsel. You know, have yourself legally protected. Uh, fascinated, horrified, everything. Still going on with that story. Uh, right, other stuff. We had the Players of the Week announced. That was De'Aaron Fox and Julius Randle, West and East. Pretty interesting. I still reckon Halliburton should just win it each time. Uh, it was weird that Randall won it because it's like he's been fine. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. Yeah, Randall's been all right. But at the same time, let's maybe just pump the fucking brakes a little bit. Um, still, good on him. Happy days. Uh, Fox as well. Pretty bloody good. So, yeah, we'll see what happens now. Uh the cool thing was we also got, what, the sort of coach of the month, players of the month. So the coaches of the month for October, November were Chris Finch out there of the Western Conference leading Minnesota Timberwolves. That's right. The Wolves are on top of the West. And Jamal Mosley for the Magic Men, uh, 13 and 5 as well. Not bloody bad, man. Not bloody bad, eh? Uh, the players of the month were Joker and Tatum. Uh, Joker averaging a lazy 29, 13 and 9.2. Uh, while Tatum's at 27.7 points, 8.8 rebounds, 4.1 assists. And Joker is, of course, leading the NBA in total points, total rebounds, and total assists, which is just stupid. Uh, rookies of the month with Chet Holmgren for the Thunder. Almost 18 points, almost 8 rebounds, and 2 blocks. And Jaime Hawkes out there for the Heaters. 12 points, 4 rebounds, 2.5 assists. Not bloody bad, bro. Not bloody bad. Looking good, feeling good. Um... Yeah, I found the Randall thing, though, for the player of the week for the East. It's like, all right, 24.7 points, 13.3 rebounds. It's like, sure, whatever. And the other little bits and bobs were that we finally saw some of the uh, NBA Cup details, right? So the in-season tournament, you've got the half-ball cup on the top of that one. Uh, It's like kind of a black thing. Eight prongs flowing into the channels of the ball for the knockout teams. I like they call it the black is like an elegant sophistication power and prestige ball. The half ball. It's like it's a cup. Though it's a half ball. It's all right. Sure. It's 23 inches high in reference to the inaugural year of the uh, of the actual first in-season tournament. And sure. <laughs> it's fucking weird. I'm not going to lie. Uh, there's also what? The NBA Cup. you got the tournament MVP trophy. The all-tournament team, which is like one of those fucking minority report balls and uh, the tournament medals too. So that's pretty cool. I still think we should have been running this longer. I think this is awesome at the moment. But just imagine if this went all the way through to fucking January. You know, this would be sick. Hook me up. Yeah. All right, let's get into the game wraps from two awesome games today. Uh, ooh, actually, before we do that, Coach of the Month, Chris Finch was the first one for the Wolves since Kevin McHale back in 2009. Amazing. And Orlando, uh, Mosley won the Coach of the Month. That's the first time anyone's done it for the Magic since Steve Clifford did it in 2019, I think. So, not bad. All right, but let's do some game wraps. Game wraps, 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 game wraps. That's right, the game wraps. The Boston Celtics are out of the NBA Cup. That's right. They lose to the Indiana Pacers in Indianapolis. In Indianapolis? No, Indianapolis. 122-112. My pick was Boston in this one. I was wrong. Uh, So same with the over because Indy's defense sort of just 
came from nowhere, especially down the stretch, and really fucked Boston up. Uh, but really, the big thing for me was Boston and the third quarter woes continue. Look, you're missing the zinger, but by the same token, they got outscored in that third quarter, was it 37-23? Going to the fourth quarter, down seven. Yeah, they fought back in the fourth to tie it all up, but geez. Uh, but to go back to the start of this game, both teams sort of struggled to hit anything from the get-go. They started like 7 of 17 and 7 of 18. Uh, Boston snuck ahead up like 24-22. They were still up at the half as well. Tatum and Brennan, 12 at the half. Then like Halliburton wasn't doing too much, and then he goes bang in the third quarter, goes on a run. Indy end up four, and then they keep just building on that like random sort of lead. It's like they end up ripping off. I think it was a, they said it was a 17-3 run. It was also a 20-5 run. And they're up nine with a minute to go in the third quarter. And you're like, Jesus, TJ McConnell was causing all sorts of havoc. If there's ever a dude who basically is like, I am the most perfect Boston Celtic and would be beloved in Boston, it's TJ McConnell. Unfortunately, he's playing for the Pacers, and they fucking love him as well. Uh, Benny Matherin was lacing threes. At that point, it was like 13 turnovers to four. And you're like, geez, this could be a problem if Boston keep giving up the ball. And that's what they kept on doing. They couldn't get to the free throw line. It was just a bit of a mess for the Celtics. Um, I think going into that fourth quarter, they had six total free throws. They ended up with 12 uh, because Tatum was sort of getting to the line late. Uh, still missed a couple, though, which is a bit weird. He went four or seven. And the turnovers, though, that was the big thing for me. 17 turnovers in the end to six. If you're going to have 11 more turnovers in the other team, yeesh, I'll tell you what, you can out-rebound somebody 56 to 41, but if you give them the ball 11 more times, you're in a spot of bother. They also went 19 to 40 from downtown to the Pacers compared to the 12 of 41 for the Celtics. And again, if you're going to hit seven more threes on one less attempt, yeesh. So this is, don't forget, the NBA's leading offense, the Indiana Pacers. They dropped 37 in the third quarter and 37 in the fourth quarter. I'm no math magician, but if you have 74 points and a half, not bloody bad. Yeesh. What are you doing, Boston? Get your head out your ass. Play a little bit better. The way that they sort of gave this one up defensively was probably the most worrisome thing for me, right? Like the 37-23 third quarter, Tatum ends up with 32-12-6, Brown with 30-9, and but with zero assists. God damn. We know that you can't dribble left, Jalen, but you could at least give the ball up once. Uh, Derek White was really good, 18-8-4. That's eight assists. He was really bloody good. Hauser went 5-7 from three as well, but the 17 turnovers, the 29% from three, it's literally like Drew Holiday, the 9-6-3. I didn't expect Giroud to have a big game because it's like, all right, your job, Giroud, is to shut down Tyrese Halliburton. He did a pretty good job for the first half, and then it all went to shit. Miles Turner was hitting everything as well. They just sort of had like all the glue guys sort of just doing enough the paces. And the Celtics' defense just couldn't quite keep up, and then their offense just sort of went MIA in that third quarter, and that was all she wrote. 26-10-13 for Halliburton. He was incredible. Buddy Heald ends up with 21, a couple of uh, random threes late. Big buckets. That Basically, the game sealer back-breaking three came from Buddy Heald as well. Four or six from downtown for him. But Benny Matherin was 16 and 14 for Aaron Naismith in a bit of revenge. you love to see that against his old team. He also had 13 for uh, Bruce Bobby Brown, 13-8 with four assists and three steals. 
And uh, 12 and 2 blocks for Ain't No Stopping, OB Toppin'. He had a couple of threes as well. Miles Turner, the 17 and 10. Instrumental. It's one of the best games you'll see Miles Turner play without him, like, you know, dropping 30. So, awesome game by the Pacers. The forcing of the turnovers. They end up with eight steals, four blocks. Uh, just did a job on the Celtics at times, who looked as sloppy. And I know that they don't have the zinger. They're supercharged Zingerberger. Supercharged Zingerberger. But really, they should have had enough defensively to slow down this Pacers team, and they didn't. So there you go. Boston dropped to 15-5, and five, and the Indiana Pacers are 11-8, and eight, and they're going to Vegas for the semis. Good stuff. And then the second game today, the other quarterfinal, the New Orleans Pelicans were the Pelicans and not the Pelicans. 127 over the Kings. 117. They win by 10 in the end, uh, despite... The big rig Zion Williamson doing sweet dick all it felt for a lot of this game. That dude looked gassed. It's like, yeah, he played 28 minutes. He's like, oh, but I have eaten so many beignets this week. <laughs> he had 10.6 rebounds, 6 assists, and 4 turnovers. Shot 5 of 8. It's like, come on, man. Uh, but luckily, the Pelicans had Brandon Spindles Ingram carry them. CJ popped up with a really, really good game. My name is Jonas was really good, 18 and 11 for him. Herb Jones had 23, 5 and 5. He shot the piss out of it. There was just like one bit where he just like drove the length of the fucking floor at the end of the game and really just put it out of reach for the Kings. It was unreal. 8 of 13 he was. Trey Murphy laced a couple of threes. He went 3 of 8. He ended up with 16 points. Grand Theft of Alvarado celebrated the uh, trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6. With a couple of wicked steals, a couple of blocks, causing all sorts of havoc. He had nine, three, two, two and two. That's right. Nine points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, and two blocks in 18 minutes. Just caused heaps of havoc. The craziest thing for me is like it was a really fast start for the Kings. They're up massive. Keegan was hitting threes. Huerta was hitting threes. Malik Monk was hitting threes. And then the Pels just sort of stuck with them, fought back, fucked them up. Like they really ruined their shit. What was it? Like a pretty big lead at the half too. So uh, it was just a weird, strange game for the Kings where you're like, uh, guys, I feel like you're better than this. <laughs> like they're up eight points at the half. It was like 69, nice, to 61. And that was only because like Malik Monk hit a three at the buzzer. So... You were like, ah, this is a bit weird. There's a few turnovers for the Kings early on. They were, both teams were hitting threes, but the big difference was really Spindles just hitting big, tough shots at times. Herb doing enough. Jonas controlling the boards. CJ sort of filling in the gaps. And Trey Murphy just delivering off the bench. They shot 54% from the floor, 14 at 31 from downtown. Whereas the Kings, look, they had an awesome game from the Suvlaki King, Demata Sabonis, 26, 13, and 10 for him. That's a very nice triple-double. Yeah, cheers, uh, cheers there, Demartis. Could I get the uh, combination moot, Masuva? Thanks, mate. Yeah. Easy on the lettuce. Bit of garlic sauce. Yeah, chuck some chili in there. Thanks, man. He was really good. He shot 8 of 12. One turnover with the 26, 13, and 10. Darren Fox, 30 points. It did come on 10 of 25 shooting for Fox. One of seven from deep. And that's where they sort of lost it, right? Monk was really good, 5 and 9 from deep for him for 21 and 5. Uh, but Huerta at 12 points went 2 of 7 from 3 as well. So if you're going to have like your starting backcourt go 3 of 14 from downtown, 
I don't know, not great. Even though they had 42 points, Fox still had six turnovers to his four assists. And it really felt like the Kings, look, they just can't solve this Pelicans team. And as I said on this show yesterday, like it's a weird matchup. It's a good matchup. The Pelicans, the size of this team, even though Zion didn't have a good game, it just ruins what the Kings sort of try to do, right? Like there's no way that Barnes and Murray can really sort of slow down both Zion and Spindles. And then when you got Herb as well out there with Jonas, it's just a big fucking lineup. So great win for the Pelicans. They're just like absolutely the Kings kryptonite so far. They've beaten them three times already this season. You might remember on this here program yesterday, I said that they beat them twice last, uh, was it two weeks ago? Um, so that's now one where they've kicked the shit out of them, 129-93, then 117-112, and then again 127-117 today. Look, the Kings got to the line. It was 27-33. Sabonis was there all the time. Fox was there the entire time. But it was just they got out-rebounded. The Pelicans shot the piss out of it, and away we went. Even Dyson had a bit of a you know quiet one, but it didn't matter. So... With that, the Pels moved to 12 and 10, and they're going to Vegas as well. Woo! And the Kings dropped to 11 and 8. Chaos day. Awesome day. Let's do an NBA Australia approved performance of the night. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. It's pretty easy today because it was Tyrese Halliburton and Brandon Spindles Ingram uh, for each game. Halliburton. Halliburton, baby! God, he was good in that third quarter. He was unbloody real. Uh, his first ever triple-double comes up clutch, tears up this Boston Celtics defensively-minded backcourt of Holiday and White, no problems. 10 of 18 shooting, 5 of 11 from downtown, 26 points, 10 rebounds, and 13 assists. That was awesome. Key aspect, zero turnovers. That's going to pop up again later. Hashtag spoiler alert. Uh, but you also had Spindles go 10 of 20 for his 30 points. 7 to 9 at the line. 3 to 6 from deep. He's not a, like a massive three-point shooter, but like he bang- he like had one bounce up and in in just one of the more improbable sort of, uh, you know, the classic shooter's touch shot. But God, he was good. 30 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, only the two turnovers. He was absolutely everything that drove that team today. So, great job by Spindles. Who is Spud of the night, though? Spud, 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 just had, like, moments where he's, like, running around with a chicken with his head cut off. Like, when he, Hauser, and Luke Cornett were out there, it's like, is this a fucking, like, Steely Dan cover band out there or some shit? Like, what are we doing? Seriously. To be honest, it was weird. <laughs> and Pritchard was very, very bad. Um, tough 15 minutes for Peyton. But, look. In terms of other, like, spuds, yeah, Bruce Brown shoot 3 of 10, but he was still really good. And TJ McConnell, even though he shot, he shot 1 of 5, was really effective. Outside of that, though, like, it was Vizenkov for the Kings, who had, like, a weird rough night, sort of just throwing up some rubbish. He was a minus 12 in 6 minutes, which is pretty brutal. He had 0 points, 2 rebounds, 0 of 3 shooting. So, uh, classic 
classic sputter lurt right there for him. Uh, but otherwise, the Pritchard Hauser Cornet vibe, like even though Hauser shot the piss out of it, Cornet wasn't like you know bad. He went three or five. Hauser goes five or nine. But the Pritchard just if you're going to pay that dude that much money, you got to hit a shot <laughs> in a knockout game. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Who's old mate? No mates. Old mate, 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 no mates. Who's got no mates today? That'd be whinging James Harden. Oh, James Harden. Fat man hoop, LA clan. That's right. He's out there in LA having a whinge with the athletic. Uh, Basically saying that, well, he's out there admitting to tampering, saying that he had a sit down with the Houston Rockets. While under contract with the Philadelphia 76ers, me, my representation, Coach Emo Yudoka, it's like, oh, fuck. So they were just flat out tampering. I wonder if the NBA is going to step up and do something about it. Or is Adam Silver going to go, <laughs> nothing to see here, folks. I don't think there's anything that we can really find him for. It's not like he admitted it. It's like, well, that's exactly what he just did. Uh, but, yeah, Harden is a fucking lunatic, isn't he? Like, what a mental case. Nah, like, would you have changed anything about the way you handled the whole situation leaving Philly, James? Nah, it wasn't my decision. What? You literally requested a trade, you fucking numbnuts. You're taking the piss. I mean, at that point, you put me in a situation, I've got to sit back, survey what's going on, and then make the best decision that's going to be beneficial for me and my family. All right. Like I just told you, I sacrificed money to come to Philly, hoping to retire there. So when you guys throw a curveball at me, now I've got to step back. And I'm not just a guy who's radical, who's not gonna, who's, who's just going to do anything. I'm strategic. I think before I react. Based on what? <laughs> the dude who's been on three teams forced his way out of the... Well, what is it? Four teams. Forced his way out of his last three fucking teams because he's at a sook. I love it. But my favorite part of the old mate, no mate, is your fucking mate. Is him just going, Daryl Morey. Shitbird. Yes, he promised me a max. It was before the playoffs last year. Then I was shit in the playoffs. Oh, wait, he didn't say that bit. That's right. After he was shithouse in the playoffs, he went, ah, you reneged on your word. It's like, well, well, don't play like shit and expect to get a max contract, James. Uh, But my favorite part of the entire article with The Athletic from James Harden is James Harden saying out loud, I'm very intelligent. Anytime you have to say out loud, I'm very intelligent, means that I'm inclined to believe that you are, in fact, not very intelligent. I'm very intelligent. Are you? Really? You better tell us louder. What a fucking bell end. Anyway, pantsing the night. Fatty, fatty, fat, fat. Buddy healed him. That last three was amazing. Just the absolute dagger, a bit of a panting. And Herb Jones going all the way through the Kings end-to-end off a rebound and just going, oh, they're parting. Sick. And Moses upping that motherfucker and going, kabow. Uh, rising off the dunk through traffic. That was sick as. So not bloody bad, bro. But who was better than Lonzo Ball? Oh, oh. 
Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you don't get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros. Now I can be average. We're coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. Uh, the obvious one is Cyrus Halliburton in the 26, 10, and 13, but he's already been popped off. Uh, Benny Matherin, 16 points and 5 or 14 shooting. Very good. Don't get me wrong. But today, it's got to be Herb Jones for me. He was so fucking good in this game. 23 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, shoots 8 of 13, 3 of 5 from downtown. Like, this is awesome. Second round pick in 2021. Absolute defensive menace. But in a knockout game, steps up huge and drops 23-5-5 and on the head. When Zion's, you know, basically (laughs) struggling to get up and down the court (laughs) and carry that giant rig of his. So... Amazing gear by Herb Jones and easily better than Lonzo Ball. What about a magic tweet of the day? There are a few things better in life than an Irvin Magic Johnson tweet of the day. Congratulations to my great friend and president of the African American Export Import Bank, Afrix Imbank, <laughs> brackets, <laughs> Professor Prof. Benedict O. Arama for being named Forbes Africa 220, uh, 2023 Person of the Year. What an incredible honor and accomplishment given to recognize the stellar accomplishments of leading Africans contributing to the development of the content. Con- continent. There you go. Do you read, Jim? Eh, not much. I look forward to seeing and supporting all the incredible things you do in 2024. And then there's a picture of Forbes Africa. Uh, so Magic, just out there supporting his buddy, who's the president of the African Export-Import Bank, uh, Professor Benedict O. Arama. Good on him. Now, it, was, it must be awesome to have Magic Johnson as a mate, right? He's just out there just dropping a random tweet when you make the cover of Forbes Africa. He's like, fucking yeah, man. Go get him. Go get him. So good. All right, let's do some yeah-nahs right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And 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 you're listening to NBA Australia. Oh, he's pressed the wrong button. Press the right button, Jim. Oh, yeah. Still got it, baby. Woo. Right. Yeah, now it's brought to you by the NBA Australia shop. Get your merch. Get your merch. People. Get your merch. Get your merch. Wear it. Get your merch. Get your merch. Get your merch. Get your merch. Listen to the man. Go to NBAAustralia.com slash shop. Click on the buy things buttons and get a T-shirt. Get a hoodie. Get a stubby holder. Got a couple of those there now. Uh, and I'll put up the coffee mugs, ASAMP. Or just click through on the socials. They're right there. Uh, so let's get into it. NBAAustraliaShop.com. What is it? NBAAustralia.com slash shop. Away you go. Yeah, Nas. Today, Matty Owers. Jokic leading the NBA in total points, assists, rebounds. Jokic, and f- Jokic is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, nah. I'll take this one, Jim, says Matty. Yeah. P.S. Have we ever seen this type of crazy stat before? Yeah, nah, yeah. I mean, it is ridiculous that he is, like, leading the total points, rebounds, and assists so far, right? Like, patently ridiculous. Uh, It is very clear that he is the best player in the NBA and 
should win a third NBA MVP. The weirdest part is he also led the playoffs in total points, rebounds, and assists, which is very cool. And yeah, leads the league in triple doubles with eight so far. And it's very cool. After last year, I believe, he led his team as well, points, rebounds, assists in six different seasons. That's the most by any player in NBA history. So, yeah, he's doing all right. (laughs) Have we seen anybody sort of do this sort of thing? It's like LeBron-ish, but like leading every aspect. Like rebounds was always going to be the problem with somebody else. Like, But Joker's a rebounding menace. Like it's just sick. The dude's a monster. I think someone sort of brought up the idea, is this the biggest gap between the best player in the NBA and everybody else since, like, Miami hate LeBron? And it probably is. Like, the way that he's sort of, like, a system unto himself. No, not James Harden, Nikola Jokic. Uh, It is remarkable how good he is on offense and how he is basically the complete player without being, obviously, a defensive menace. But the dude is, you know, the player of the month, averaging 29 points, 13.2 rebounds, 9.2 assists. That's just stupid. What a legend. So it's very, very, very cool. Uh, There's also, I think there was a stat about he adds more value on twos away from the basket than the three-point shooters are adding on threes, which is just, to do that on, like, with one less point per possession, it's just stupid. So, yeah. It's a good one, Matty. We've never seen anything quite like that to lead the entire NBA in all three categories, uh, is pretty awesome. Because, especially the rebounder, like you'd have Rusty, you'd have LeBron, dudes like that, obviously the big O, but Joker leading rebounds. Like, it's just, that's that one little step further. Jez Oz has got another one. It's good. He said, uh, it's nice to hear that you're doing a little bit better. Thanks, buddy. I've got another year now for you. Me and my squid number two, a.k.a. boy squid one, we're just discussing how awesome the in-season tourney has been. We came up with an idea of replacing the All-Star game with a Final Four-style tournament over the weekend. Yeah, nah, it would be kind of cool. Yeah, nah, yeah! Like, this is the thing that I was talking about when we were trying to figure out how to make, like, extend the in-season tournament, right? And go, okay. The idea behind this is to keep these regular season games meaningful, to have drive massive, massive interest in regular season games. And essentially, it should at least be a home and away series between all the teams in your group. And that probably would get you to the end of January, which then gets you right in that sort of all-star game period, right? The problem is you've also got the Super Bowl there at some point. The thing is, the NBA is so afraid of the Super Bowl and the NFL that they should probably just try to do it when there's far less NFL games anyway. And, you know, around the NFL playoffs, there's so much NFL noise. Like, this is the thing that we don't sort of see that much of in Australia, right? Like, the NFL, media-wise, just dominates all sorts of news all the way basically through September through December. And then you've got the playoffs through January into February for the Super Bowl. And... What we're already seeing, I think, with the in-season tournament is people losing their fucking minds about this. So the NBA needs to capitalize on it. And I think having, like, the Vegas weekend that we'll have is great. It's awesome. 
And it's timed out not bad at the moment because NFL's sort of heading in towards this thing. But at the same time, if you want to make Christmas the absolute jewel in the NBA crown, maybe there's a way that we can have the in-season tournament run from the start of the season and culminate around Christmas or maybe New Year's. The problem is you've got college football, bowls and shit like that, left, right and centre, and the NBA will be too afraid to do that, but I still reckon they should. You know? Because you sort of need like that big apocryphal date, whether it be Christmas, whether it be Valentine's Day. There is Martin Luther King uh, Day as well, so maybe that's it, like the end of January. So maybe that's what it should be. I think you could probably push All-Star Weekend back as well, maybe a week or two later in February, so then players can actually have a little bit of a break as well. And that way you've got the focus all on the uh, in-season tournament finals, the Final Four, before March, because they obviously got March Madness popping off. So maybe you want All-Star break the weekend before March Madness starts. You want the in-season tournament culminating in, I don't know, the first week of Feb, so you before like that week off maybe before the Super Bowl. That would be fucking ideal. Because like if the Super Bowl... If there's no week, if there's a week off, then boom, jump in there, off you go. That weekend, own it. Away you go. Maybe that's the answer. There we go. We talked it out. Nice. Dan Drosher, three yeah nahs for you. Yeah nah, this indie team is easily the most fun team to watch. Yeah nah. They are a lot of fun. Indie. They score a lot. They sort of need that one extra weird dude. You know? That's why I love watching the Kings. The Suvlaki King is fucking weird. Fox is weird. Hurt is weird. It's kind of like why the Warriors were so much fun at the height of their powers, right? Steph is an absolute joy to watch play. Halliburton is as well, right? But then you got someone like Draymond who's just fucking weird. Like Miles Turner's a little bit weird, but he's not that weird. Like the Suvlaki King is pretty weird. So who is the most fun team to watch in the NBA? Because it's not Philly, <laughs> I'll tell you. The Pelicans are pretty strange, but they're not quite there. The Knicks are pretty odd, but they're a bit of a you know drag in, grind it out kind of strange team. It might be between the Kings and the Pacers, you know? Because the Thunder are pretty fun, but they've got too many Williamses. <laughs> SGA, Chet. Giddy, if they played Giddy more, I feel like they'd be more fun. But I think the answer might actually just be sort of Denver, Sacramento, or Indy. Like, they probably play the most fun, freewheeling, chaotic kind of basketball out there. And, like, Orlando would be probably pushing for that at some point. Dallas sometimes. But Dallas can also be infuriating. So I think it's probably probably between the Pacers, the Kings, and the Nugs. And the Pacers are really fucking fun. Oof. It's a good one, though. If I could just sit down and watch one team, who would it be? It'd probably be Denver. Maybe the Kings. Maybe the Pacers. Probably in that order. The opposite of Detroit. <laughs> Next one. The indie crowd is amazing, Where uh, and we are losing the chance to have a bonkers home crowd for the tournament finals. Yeah, nah. I mean, I don't mind the idea of the Vegas neutral site for the tournament finals. But yeah, that indie crowd was off fucking shops. You're going to see it again tomorrow with what? The Lakers crowd. They're going to be absolutely up and about. you got a Bucks crowd, which will be pretty fun. Um, it just sort of depends on if like 
fans are going to travel for that Vegas thing or if it's just going to sort of be like that basketball nerd audience that goes to Summer League, you know? So we are probably losing the chance to have the Bonkers home crowd for the finals, but it's probably going to lose a little bit because that Pacers crowd was fucking off their head. So was Sacramento early. But yeah, anyway, uh, the last one, Halliburton MVP conversation. That second half, he just blew Tatum and his Celtics off the floor. Yeah, nah. Halliburton is first team guard, probably along with SGA right now, right? I think they're beating Steph. And probably Booker. Probably Fox. So, yeah, I'd probably take SGA and Tyrese Halliburton at the moment. That is incredible. Let's go. Maxi probably give it a shake at some point, but yeah. Uh, right, unpopular opinion of the day. Now, I don't know if it's unpopular. It's just more that I don't know if anyone gives a fuck, but God damn. So Dan Drosher talking about that indie crowd. Love that. If only they had a fucking like announcing crew that sounded excited. Like Spiriditas is like almost too excited. And then he's balanced out by Greg fucking Anthony, who I've described as oral ambient time and time again. That dude is shit. God, he's fucking boring. So, hey, yeah, Greg, you know, there's a basketball game happening and it's quite exciting and the fucking crowd is pretty hyped. Maybe try to get that across to the viewing audience, you fucking numb nuts. He's horrible. God damn, like even Stan and BA were really fucking good in the second game. Uh, the weird part for that, though, was that Kings crowd. It really felt they just had like the life sucked out of them, though. Uh, which is a bit strange because, like, Cowbell Kingdom, you know they're going to love it, but god damn. Tough scenes, tough scenes. Uh, what about Outback Takehouse, though? It's Tuesday at Outback, and you know what that means. Oh, yeah, that's right. I hit a possum on the way back from dropping the kids off at kindy. Oh, boy. But not, you know, waste not, want not. Chucked it right on the spit as soon as we got home. Chucked it in the back of the old Subi. Boom. Chucked it over the spit. Now we've got spit roasted possum only at Outback. And today's flame grill take is Tyrese Halliburton is the best guard in the NBA right now. There is no one else quite near him. He is the first person picked in the backcourt of your all-NBA first team. And if we're going to start listing off MVP, we're going to go Nikola Jokic. And the very next person you're going to say is either going to be Kevin Durant or Tyrese Halliburton. Only at Outback. Spot the lie. Spot the lie. Uh, sort of goes from Dan's question about the MVP convo. He definitely is. He's right fucking there. The way that he's like getting this weird indie team just firing on all cylinders and putting up absolutely insane numbers while doing it. Like, he's doing it more effectively and more efficiently than Luca. Uh, he is absolutely fucking unreal. He's shooting 45% from three. It's just silly. And leading the goddamn league in assists while averaging 27 points a game. It's stupid, and I love it. All right, quick Australian player watch right after this. 
This is Matthew Delvedover and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, the only Australian player watch is uh, the vacuum Dyson Daniels, of course, uh, because we have no Aussies on the Celtics or the Pacers uh, and only, well, with King Delhi back here in Melbourne, no one on the Kings. So it's just Dyson, the vacuum out there with the Pelicans. Uh, coming off the bench, he played the six minutes today. He was a plus eight, which is very nice. He had zero points, though. Missed the one shot that he took. He had one rebound, two steals. Love that. Absolute fucking clamps. So defensively, Dyson, the vacuum, just absolutely sucking up everything around him. You'd love to see that. Zero points, two steals, one rebound, oh, one from the floor in six bloody minutes. But let's do an NBA strayer. Andrew Gay's Graham Umber Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence. It's the first and Andrew Gay's Graham Umber Clap it up. Uh, we're just going to go back to the Halliburton well. That's how good his game was today. 26, 10, and 13. Goes 5 of 11 from 3. But the craziest part is, plenty of people have had a 26, 10, and 13 triple-double. This is only the seventh time ever someone's done it with zero turnovers. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's Joker, James Harden, Delon Wright... Antoine Walker, Jay Kidd, and Grant Hill. That's amazing. So, it's only it's only happened seven times before today. Uh, I also love that Joker's done this like twice in the last couple, like, like a week and a half. <laughs> so, that's what Joker's done. He dropped the 36, 13, and 14, 32, 10, and 15, like basically in the last week. And then Halliburton does the 26, 10, and 13 with zero turnovers today. That's an incredible stat line. So to have that triple-double with zero turnovers, oh boy, it's pretty excellent. And that is an outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. I think my favorite part, though, is that it's also Delon Wright did it back in 2019. <laughs> he had 26, 10, and 14 with zero turnovers. What a legend. But Jason, Killen, Grant, uh, Jason Kidd and Grant Hill, look, I don't know, you're probably similar to me. Uh... What were they, co-rookies of the year? Uh, one of my favorite, favorite pairings for rookies of the year. Uh, and we'll always love Grant Hill and Jason Kidd. Uh, I think the last time we had a co-rookie of the year was like Elton Brand and Steve Francis, which is kind of fun. But um, yeah, the way that Kidd and Grant Hill did it, it's just, fuck, they were awesomely weird Beautiful players to watch those two. So, kind of love it. Grant Hill getting ruined by injuries sucks. Hill just... He could have been that sort of bridging mechanism, I guess, from Jordan into Kobe, but just got derailed. It was an absolute fucking just glide of a player. Absolutely amazing. And Kid was incredible. Just, you know, bounced around a little bit. Was an absolute fucking force of nature, though. So, love him, love him. All right. Without further ado, if you know, nine. What is this? Episode nine ninety eight of NBA Australia. It's like nineteen ninety eight. What were you doing? I don't know. Watching a fuck ton of basketball. 
final Bulls three-peat. Yeah. All right, the Paddy Mills Game Day Baller Game Day Twitter check-in. Let's see what Paddy's been up to. Oh, it's a Jock Landau post. Fam love. Picture him and the missus and the dog wearing a wreath around its neck of the, you know, Christmas pine stuff. <laughs> uh, that is a beautiful dog that he's got. I'll rock him, suck him, block him, drop him Landau too. So. Love that. Go check that out. Right, let's do some game previews. This in-season tournament has been absolutely unreal. The knockouts have been absolutely incredible. I've loved every second of it. And we've got two more tomorrow. Game previews. Game previews. Thanks, inadvertent Bane. Not a problem, Jim. How are you feeling? Look, to be honest, not bad because I'm just not doing anything. <laughs> I'm such a fat bastard at the moment. It's just brutal. But, yeah, can't walk too far with the bung foot, but she'll be right. Oh, that was another, I think, uh, yeah, another we have from Dave Brown, wasn't it? Let's, uh, where was that one? That one got emailed through. Yes. Is Jimmy, <laughs> hey buddy, is Jimmy's metatarsal ailment just a case of partaking in excess tin consumption, aka the old gout? I'm no doctor, <laughs> but doing a great job. Uh, yeah, nah, look, that was my first thought because I had like some gouty arthritis hit a while back. Um, but this one was ruled out by the doc, so the metatarsals, just the overcompensation, pissed off after a couple of days, and then the, uh, and all that sort of stuff. That was my, that it sort of moved into a different spot. But anyway, it's all sort of related to the fucky heel. Anyway, that was a good year now. Thanks, Dave. Uh, right. Wednesday, Knicks at Bucks. How good is this? You got the Knicks, the third best defensive rating in the league. They're giving up the fewest points in the game at the moment at 105.5 points. Uh, the Bucks, as we know, 21st in defensive rating. Not great. They are getting better and better and better, though. Um, now that they ditched Adrian Griffin. So he press every time. And they're like, no, just fuck off. How about we play drop coverage and it'll be fine? And that's exactly what they're doing. The Bucks aren't a great rebounding team. The Knicks are, which is an interesting one. This is the third best scoring offense in Milwaukee and uh, the fourth best in offensive rating. And you go, oh, geez, the Knicks aren't very good, Jim. They're 24th in actual scoring. Yeah, but they're actually 12th in offensive rating as well. So they're... Reason is to get you into a knockdown drag out game, beat you down the stretch, out muscle you, outwork you, and uh, out grit you a bit. A bit, I guess. So for me, like the key for this one, Knicks at Bucks is Dame versus Brunson, right? Like if Dame can get going as Brunson and this uh, this battery of Knicks guards, then the Bucks can win. But if Brunson takes advantage of Dame being a fucking turnstile in defense, the Knicks have a really good shot. I am going to pick the Knicks plus four and a half because I think it's much more in the latter, right? The Brunson should be able to take advantage of Dame defensively and have a pretty big game. Uh, the thing is, they've also got a bloke named Giannis on the Bucks, And so going up against the other Mitch Robinson and Julius Randle, Bit of size there and RJ Barrett and stuff as well on the perimeter. I think Yana still feasts. I think Brunson has a pretty good game. A lot of this sort of just depends on the Dame and Randall part. If Randall, as we sort of mentioned earlier, right? Like player of the week has been shooting the piss out of it, playing really well. If he can keep that up, good chance of winning uh, for the Knicks. And if they're going to be four and a half point underdogs, 
I think they can drag the Bucks into the mud a little bit. And we know the Bucks de- defense isn't that great, so the Knicks should be able to like score as much as they possibly can and put a lot of pressure on the Bucks to come through. I'll take the Knicks plus four and a half. I think they can cause the upset. Their game style is like the sort of thing that could really trip up a Bucks team that hasn't been playing awesome of late, uh, but has sort of looked obviously better to the point where you look at the Bucks and if they pull this one out of their ass, it could be like a bit of Dame magic down the stretch. But I'm going to take the plus four and a half anyway for the Knicks. Because, look, the Bucks are still really good. They're also primed. It feels like this Bucks team, like the way they've looked the last couple of games, it's like, ooh, is it clicking a little bit? And if it continues to click, then they can go on a big winning streak, I reckon. But uh, I'm going to take the points with the Knicks. The plus four and a half is where I'm going to land. Um, Suns-Lakers, though. This game is absolutely unreal. Phoenix hasn't covered a game in three straight, but both teams are three and two of their last five. AD and LeBron versus KD and Booker is what it all comes down to me. I like KD as the best player on the floor in a knockout situation, which is why I'm going to pick the Suns. The Suns plus one and a half, KD 30 plus. I'm just vibing on this. Like Even though it's in LA, KD's not beaten LeBron when LeBron's been a Laker. I know that LeBron and AD will be going hammer and tongs with this one to try and sort of go, well, we won the NBA Cup. That's also important. And LeBron will be able to put that in his, uh, you know, the trophy cabinet and be like, ah, oh, it's almost as good as an NBA title. I've only got four, which isn't even as many as Kobe, but I also won an NBA cup. It's like, all right, go back to Taco Tuesday, you lunatic. Go back to arguing with Ime Udoka. I did love that people were like, ah, oh, you reckon anyone would have called Michael Jordan a bitch and gotten away with it? Yes. The bad boy Pistons. Ever heard of them? What the fuck? Anyway, but LeBron versus KD, this should be really, really good. Nurk versus AD, not so great. But Booker should be able to get off the chain a little bit. I like KD. I like Booker to get the job done, win this one in LA. I'm taking the Suns. The matchup should be fan-fucking-tastic, though, because it's actually really, really even, I think, across the board for both these two teams. Uh, Because, look, with LA... In terms of like in terms of both teams, right? Points per game, uh, points you know given up per game. It's eleventh scoring team, the Suns against the twentieth. But the points against per game, it's like I think the Suns are sixteenth, Lakers are eighteenth. I just like the Suns' ability just to score a little bit more than the Lakers. I think they're a little bit more consistent, and I think they'll get there. And if you look at the advanced numbers as well, right, like. In terms of defensive rating and offensive rating, like the defensive rating for the Lakers, they're ranked ninth, and the Suns aren't that much up in 18th. But offensively, you've also got a Suns team that eight is eighth versus a Lakers team that is all the way down to 24th. So I think the Suns balance that out and get the job done. I'm taking the Suns plus one and a half. But it should be awesome! Who's going to Vegas? Woo! I love it. How good is this in-season tournament? I fucking am absolutely over the moon with this. What else would you do in the early early bits of December? Anyway, uh, that's it for today. We'll be back on deck tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, Face the IG. We're all over the socials, doing some videos here and there as well. Uh, get around NFL Australia with myself and Gaz, chopping up each week about the NFL. Subscribe to that. Uh, we'll have a new show out tonight. Very fun one too. Crazy week in the NFL. Cricket Today podcast. 
When that pops off, I need you to subscribe to it, but go check it on the socials right now. What is it? Twitter, Facey, IG. Go give it a follow. Uh, that stats guy in the Cricket Boys, I'll jump in there every so often. Just say good day. See what's going on. Uh, NBAstro.com slash shop. Get your merch, get your merch. And chuck us a rating review on your podcast app, would you? Go on! I don't ask for much. In fact, I ask for very little. It's almost my thousandth episode. So if you haven't bought a fucking hoodie or a t-shirt, you're just taking the piss at this point, aren't you? What are you doing? Speaking of which, thousandth episode on Thursday. Cannot fucking wait. That's going to be awesome. Uh, big thanks always go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. Check out their new band House Hats. Their album running out of time's out now. And big thanks always go to Joshua De Laurentiis, Fascinated, Goldmines, Ramshack, Alami, Iowa, Sex Today, Green, 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 and Dozers for all the tunes you hear throughout the show. Smash them all on Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Face the Apple Music, Spotify. Remember, NBA Australia Sports Australian Bands. All right, no skip today because I've got to get going, finish off some work, and then jump into NFL Australia. So, right, that's it. We'll catch you tomorrow, dickheads. This is NBA Australia saying look after yourselves, would you? And later, hosen. Drinks Sprite?